most contractors think, oh, I need a painter yesterday. or I need a project manager. So they wait until they need to do somebody to recruit. I can't think of any sports team that doesn't have to lose their quarterback before they find a new quarterback, right? <laughs> it's like they always have a bench. Yeah. So that's one thing. You should recruit all the time. Not only need somebody. Welcome to the Painter Growth Podcast, where we help you scale your painting company in record time. Join us as we explore sales, marketing, hiring, finances, leadership, and more. Everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everybody? Michael Hickman here, founder of PainterGrowth.com, and you're listening to another episode of the Painter Growth Podcast. And you guys ask, and I listen, and I answer, because a lot of you guys are struggling with recruiting. You can't find painters. You can't find production managers or uh, salespeople or any anyone like that. Or you can find them, and you just have trouble managing them or, or setting proper expectations. So we've heard your struggles, and that's why I've invited Paul Sanneman here. Paul is the um, founder and CEO of Contractor Staffing Source, and uh, he's going to hopefully, as a result of being here today, help you guys be better recruiters. Absolutely. Well, that's my goal here. Good to have you, Paul. So a little bit about myself. Um, I've been actually a coach for construction for 50 years. It makes me an old guy, right? I think I've worked with like a couple thousand companies, so I have a lot of experience. and. What happened a couple of years ago was I could get a company from a million to 10 million, like did it literally 100 times. But the problem was they couldn't find any employees. So you can't grow a company unless you have people do the work because you need two things. You need great clients. You need a great team. So my original idea, Mike, was, OK, I'll have them do it themselves. So I got some good software, some applicant tracking systems, some assessments, all the you know state-of-the-art software. I gave it to my clients, said, here you go. Have fun. And they totally screwed it up. So I went, okay, fine. So I put a guy in my garage. That was about three or four years ago. And now I have like 25 people on the team. We go through three, two to 3,000 resumes a week. We hire, I don't know, 10, 15 people a week. And we, I mean, it's it's a long process. And I developed all these systems. So I'll be happy to share with the listeners how we do it and how they can do it themselves if they want to. Yeah, because- well, we'll definitely we'll definitely dive into that. Let's uh, let's Let's slow down just a little bit. So what, um, I mean, what are some of the biggest maybe errors or mistakes that, okay. that the smaller contractors typically make when initiating or starting a recruiting process? Well, I, I have th- a thing I call the six myths of recruiting. I'll go through this with you, okay? I mean, the first one is only recruit when you need somebody, right? Most contractors think, oh, I need a painter yesterday or I need a project manager. So they wait until they need to do somebody to recruit. I can't think of any sports team that doesn't have to lose their quarterback before they find a new quarterback, right? <laughs> it's like they always have a bench. Yeah. So that's one thing. You should recruit all the time. Not only need somebody. The second one is I get a lot of employees are expensive. You can't make any money without employees. You're right. So the more employees you have, the more money you're going to make if they're the right employees. And a lot of people call and say, well, I can't aff- wait till I get the big project before I hire the guy. You need to hire the guy before the big project, not afterwards. Um, another one is- So you should always be in a recruiting mindset then? Absolutely, all the time. Okay. Um, next, we can do it ourselves. I mean, for some reason, a lot of people, they don't do their own accounting. They don't do their own taxes. As far as I know, they probably don't fix their own car, right? 
But for some reason, they all think they can do their own recruiting. Um, my experience is most contractors are not good at recruiting and you should outsource it if you can, because other people are way better at this than you are. And if you can outsource it for any kind of reasonable price, I suggest you outsource it versus doing it yourself. Because a lot of contractors, they put an ad in Indeed and then they call the guy a week later and it doesn't work out well. Um, another one is recruit within the construction industry. Now, we find the most successful things, especially for painting contractors and people like that, is you've got some kind of training program. Because if you're trying to recruit people that are already good painters, you've narrowed your market hugely, right? Because there's not, and besides those people are in huge demand and they're expensive. Whereas if you're recruiting people and training them, I mean, you've got to hire the right person. Who they are is much more important than what they know. So if you hire the right person, you can train them on how to paint. They need attention. You know, the attention to detail. You need to care about people. Yeah, the skill of painting is not that hard. It's you should be hiring for, for attitude more than right. anything else. Attitude Ultra and good. also, you know, attention to detail and that kind of stuff. But I highly recommend you have some kind of training or apprentice program to train your people to do it your way. The other problem with hiring people is they've always got their way, right? Especially project managers. And they go, well, I did it to my last company this way. How come you don't? And they fight you on everything. So highly recommend you, you know, bring people on. Other one, they say you have to recruit within the industry. I give an example that worked for us a lot. Um, let's take a selections coordinator, right? We, during the pandemic, we found a bunch of wedding planners that were killer at it. Now think about think about that, Mike. A wedding planner, right? You've got the band, the flower person, basically sort of flaky industries, right? And they all have to be at the right place at the right time, and everybody has to be happy and it has to look good, right? And people do that for a living, called wedding planners, right? So you can take that still same skill set and transfer it to a project coordinator, and they work great. And also, hospitality industry doesn't pay very well. So we literally hired six or seven wedding planners into construction companies and they just killed it. They're just used to dealing with like people who are bad at logistics <laughs> and right. put them together. So you put them in a good system and there you and go. Everybody has idea. to be happy at the end and has to look good, right? Yeah. So the same skill set is, is necessary. What so, gave you the idea first to try a to try a wedding planner? Well, I mean. I, 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 we just look for people who have a similar skill set. Um, and the problem was we, it was hard to find people in the construction business because there's a huge demand and a low supply, right? So especially during the pandemic and trying to find a project manager that had experience in painting or experience or whatever was really hard. And we're like in every market in the U.S. and Canada. And we couldn't find them anywhere. I mean, I would rather literally find a project manager than a painter sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a painter and you're good, you're already working and you're getting paid really well. So let's let's dig into that project manager. Maybe we can focus around that since you started that. A lot of our guys are looking to hire project managers um, or production managers or crew leads. There's a lot of different ways to, to phrase it. But um, let's let's go into we want to we have a business. We have a few crews. We're too busy running around all the time, working a million hours a week, not painting, but like, you know, running three or four crews. Right. What should our first steps be when it comes to bringing on that role? Okay. Well, let me let me go through what I consider best practices are in recruiting. I've learned these the hard way, all right? 
First thing is you've got to write a really good job ad. Now, the good news is AI really helps out. ChatGPT, my new best friend, right? So you can go to ChatGPT and say, I want a production manager for a retail training company in Boston, Massachusetts, and it'll write you the whole ad. And you can say, I want it to be funny. I want it to be you know, serious. And it'll, I want it to be in Shakespeare. I want it to be from the mafia. And it will write it any way you want it. So I highly suggest you start with AI to write your ads. That's step one. How before that, like figuring out job responsibility and role and expectations, shouldn't you have that stuff before you write the ad? Well, you can go to ChatGPT and say, give me a job description for a project manager for a, you know, um, a painting company that does X million and works retail or works wholesale. It will write you a great job description. It does all that stuff for you. So it's a great place to start. It didn't, it didn't exist a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. But now yeah. it's getting better literally every week. Yeah, it is. So I would use AI to generate the job descriptions, to generate the onboarding plan, to generate all that stuff that used to take forever. And then you have at least something to work with. Okay. So, so we've got a really good job ad. Um, how about compensation structure? Do you do you do well, have any You can go to Monster, you can go to you can ask Chad GPT and say, what is a good, you know, there's a bunch of AI available. You know, what does a good painter make in Boston? I mean, I give you an example. I can hire for a construction company a project manager that kills it in Mountain Home, Arkansas for okay. sixty thousand a year. That yeah. same guy in San Francisco is a hundred and sixty thousand. Yeah. Okay. So really, so you can go look at the market, look in you know Monster, look at Indeed, and they'll tell you what that position is paying in that market. So you write your you write your good ad, and then where should you post it? Like where have you found the best places for, for getting good talent quickly? Is okay, it this is or? another mistake that a lot of contractors make. They post it on Indeed and consider they're done. All right. We post it on Indeed. We post it on like, you know, a hundred different job boards. We post it on LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, now Facebook sometimes costs money. We had this one pro program we did. I literally found 150 framers for a production framing company in two months. But I had put a lot of money in ads on Facebook and everything was in Spanish. Nothing was in English. And when somebody answered a Facebook ad, we got to them within 15 to 20 seconds because people have no attention span. Yeah. And so we got right back to them. We interviewed them in Spanish and we did everything in Spanish. And I said we hired 60 guys in three months. So it sounds like like it's not it's not about finding the right tool, but it's kind of using all of the tools. All the tools. There's LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn for painters, I'm not sure. Project managers, LinkedIn is good. You can search LinkedIn if you use Covey yeah. and some other t tools. Yeah, but less we, likely for for painters, and I think the the low no. market, the smaller businesses. And you not can really use you know ZipRecruiter or Indeed, but put it everywhere you can put it, including you know down to your paint supplier. Go down to your Sherwin Williams store, right, and put a poster on the, on the side of the wall and ask people. And you can offer an, a a, a um, a, a reward, like you can tell your employees, look at if I hire somebody who works out, I'll pay a thousand bucks. So put it everywhere you can possibly put it. Okay. Yeah. That's the second one. Okay. okay. This is where people make their biggest mistake, in my opinion. Now I ask you this, Mike. You do a lot of work with painting contractors. When somebody calls in and say, Well, my house repainted, how long should it take you to get it back to them? Five minutes. Right. Okay. So when you think about it, 
um, your crew is an internal sale, right? So you don't place an ad in Indeed and call the back guy back a week later because all the good guys are gone. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely encourage my my crew to to treat recruiting like a marketing endeavor, marketing and sales. Right. So literally, we get back to people in minutes. And that's besides that, if you get back to in minutes, they're going to go, this is a really company I want to work for, right? They're on it. Versus if you get back to them a week later, nah, not so hot. So mm -hmm. literally get back to them within minutes if you can. Now, sometimes this is difficult for you to do, but I'm telling you, recruiting campaigns are going to depend on it. So what's your, so you, you get your ad out, you have the best ad ever because you have AI write it <laughs> and help right. with all that. And then you get it out a whole bunch of platforms and you find a way to get your application. So they're coming right to your cell phone as they're coming in and you get back to them quickly. What, what do you recommend doing for like filtering through the. Okay. Well, the first place there's an applicant tracking system is out there. There's a way of automating when people can, we, we have our own, we've designed, but there's Applicant Pro. There's a bunch of applicant tracking system out there. I suggest you get one of them. And that is like a CRM for recruiting. Okay. People come in, you get them, they respond immediately. There's Bamboo, there's a bunch of them out there. But get an applicant tracking system because it, it, it mechanizes all this stuff really well. Okay. So that will respond to people quickly. Then next, assessments and screening. You've got to make sure you've got the right person. We have a before, before you do like an intro call with them, you should do an assessment. Well, it depends. If you're looking for a project manager, sometimes you get by with the assessments first. If you're looking for a painter, you should probably call them. Mm -hmm. And then once you call him, you say, look, we might if you send you an assessment. Because um, you can, I mean, I can tell you more about you than your mom, Mike, if you take an assessment, literally. Everything from your values, to your honesty, to what you believe in, how smart you are. We have, all, we have 40 different assessments depending on the thing, but you can go get them on the internet someplace. You need to assess the person before you hire them to make sure they're the right person for the job, okay? Okay. Then after you assess them, we do video interviews. There's some software that will do that besides ours. I suggest you do a video interview. The advantage of a video interview, it doesn't have to be in real time. You can send it to them. They can do it. And they, a lot of the applicant tracking systems have video interviews in them. So you want to do a video interview so you get a chance to see who this person is, what they look like, who they are, you know, their physical appearance, how well they talk, what their English skills are. You can tell a lot in a video interview. So I suggest you get video some interview. I mean, would that be is for for project for a project manager you? Would you do I would do the same thing for a painter. I would do. I mean, over a coffee shop visit. Yeah, because it's a lot easier. The problem is, if you have to physically get together with this guy, it takes a ton of your time. Mm -hmm. So my first suggestion, Mike, is you have a, a software that'll do the video interview for you in not real time. You can look at it later. If you don't have that software, at least I would do a Zoom call, phone call, then a Zoom call, because you can't tell in a phone call what this guy or woman looks like what physical shape they're in, what their appearance is. You can't tell on a phone call. So I yeah, actually, funny, funny story. I had, a, I was talking to a client and uh, he was doing an interview and he had this like phone call with this, with this painter. And he's like, great, great conversation, blah, 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 all this experience. And then he gets to the interview. They, they meet at like Duncan or something. And the guy walks in and he's like 400 pounds. Right. And he's like, he's the first thought is like, well, this guy's not going to be able to climb a ladder. <laughs> right. Absolutely. 
So that's why the video, because you can't ask, are you old, are you fat? I and mean, there's just, you know, you can't. But in a video interview, you can tell all the rest of the things you can't find out in an assessment. So I really suggest a video interview or, you know, that. Then also, you do reference checks. And reference checks are really important. 100%. And then you do background checks. I have a funny background check story. I have a client who got embezzled by the bookkeeper, right? So they got a new bookkeeper. They got embezzled by their new bookkeeper, right? And then they went to the DA and tried to have her prosecuted. And the DA said, didn't you realize this woman got fired from her last job for embezzlement? <laughs> so, you know, it's amazing what people do. So you got to do background checks. And you also have to do reference checks. And yeah, I'm sure you, we've, we've all had, you know, we've all had the painter, maybe not used in the other night painting business, but everyone who's ran a painting business has hired the guy who says they have 10 years of experience and then you get to site and they don't know what side of the brush to hold. Right. People lie. Yeah. They just do. Right. So the video interview, and then obviously I recommend some kind of probationary period, like have them come to the job site. Other things you can get, what kind of truck does a guy drive? Does he drive a truck or does he drive an old beat up car that barely gets there? Right. Um, and if you can have lunch with him, does he have table manners? How does he treat the waitress? You know, these are all, look at it like finding a new girlfriend. <laughs> you know, I mean, all, who they are is more important than what they know. So you got, and then what you find out a, what a person is, is you eat a meal with them. You look at their truck. Is their truck neat or is it a mess? Do they have like last week's lunch still in there? I mean, seriously, sometimes it's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. And so I highly recommend you meet the guy or lady. If you can look at their truck, what kind of vehicle are they driving? Project manager, even if you go to their house, it'd be good. Sometimes you can't pull that off. But how do they treat their wife and kids? How do they treat other people? Because people are consistent, right? I've had one, one tip that I've heard is um, if you're hiring for a key role like project manager, um, invite them and their family to dinner with your family. Absolutely. Because whether you want to or not, you're also hiring the wife. Right. And so they have a great influence on the employee, wife or husband, too, which we look at it. But they, they're going to go if, if their uh, spouse doesn't like you or your company, you're in trouble. So how much weight would you put on the actual interview and the questions that you ask in the interview? Um, like how important is that in the whole grand scheme of things? Maybe 25 percent, maybe 50. Okay. Um, the assessment, I give that 25 percent. I would say the, you know, on-job performance is, you know, 25%. I would say your gut is 25%. You know, I wouldn't hire anybody that you wouldn't invite to dinner. Totally. Because, because different companies have different value sets. We have an interesting, I'm going to ask you this question, Mike. This is one of our honesty questions, okay? okay. Um, your boss tells you to tell the customer that in this case, you're going to be able to paint their house in two weeks because you have to order the paint, right? Now, you know it's going to be four weeks. The boss knows it's going to be four weeks. And the boss goes out and tells you, Mike, tell the customer we're going to be there in two weeks to paint their house. What would you do? So just to get that clear, um, I know it's going to take four weeks. The boss told me to tell the customer it's going to take two weeks. And the boss knows. Everybody knows it's four weeks except the customer. Yeah. He basically wants you to lie to the customer. Yeah. I mean... I am unemployable and I've been fired from two out of my last three jobs. That's why I started a company, <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm, I am unemployable because I don't like to deal well with authority, 
But um, probably if I was in, there's two, two, I'll give you two answers. So one, if it was like me right now, and I, I believe I have a strong moral compass and I don't need the job. Like if I was desperate and needed the position, I would, I would probably act a little bit differently. Right. But if I don't absolutely need the position, I'd probably push back on the boss and be like, look, this isn't really a ethical way to do things. <laughs> right. Well, I just, I just interviewed a company that just actually hired us to do recruiting for them. I asked the owner the same question. He says, I would go to my boss and tell him to do it himself because I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And other people would just lie. And some people would say two to four weeks. I mean, everybody has different answers to that question, right? But that tells you about their moral compass and how they're going to fit with your company. Well, like, I've had some clients. Here's another way, another um, example that I actually had in one of my masterminds. We were talking about offering this 15% discount to get people to book on the spot. Hey, mm -hmm. if you book on the spot, we'll give you a 15% discount. And one person asked, hey, how? what if you just increase your price by 15% and then give that as a discount. And I like thought about it for a minute. I was like, no, because that's lying. You're being disingenuous. You're giving a fake discount. And so if you do that and your team sees you do a fake discount like that and be disingenuous, you know, when an opportunity comes up for them to be disingenuous to you, they'll take it because they think that that's right. okay behavior. If, if you read the, 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 um, what's it? The four amendments, sorry. And, in the, and one of the, one of them is be impeccable with your word, right? So you're either impeccable with your word or you're not. The four agreements, that's the name of the book. Yeah. And you know, you lie, you lie. I mean, whether it's two, you're still lying. And the problem with somebody that lies 10% of the time, Mike, is you never know when the 10% is. That's like, uh, if you ever see someone cheat at golf, you immediately know that to never be friends with them or never trust them because if Unless they cheat at something- Because we agree to cheat, right? So my friend and I called best ball golf, right? So if we had to hit three balls, we'll take the best one, right? So I guess depends on the rules you're playing by. If, if everyone's in agreement with the rules, for sure. But but like um, sometimes I'll play, my mom takes golf very seriously. So if I'll play with her and- if she, I like give myself a little bit of grace, I like kick the ball out from under the tree. And she's right. like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't compare your score with my score. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. If you get an 85 and I get an 87, you cannot carry, you can't compare your 85 to my 87 Absolutely. because I play every shot. Right. So as long as you can be honest with that type of thing, right. like that's fine. But you know, you need to be playing on the same. same well, that that brings up an interesting point, Mike. Every company has a different value system. It's not, it's a very subjective thing. Some companies would be fine with you lying about the two weeks and other companies would fire you for it. Depends on the company, right? And there is, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying that you need to know what it is. So when you hire people, they agree with your value system. I mean, you may be a Christian, a Buddhist, pick one, doesn't matter. You know, you may be a vegetarian, I don't know. But you got to make sure that your team is in, a, in the same value system you are because lots of times what will happen and this is you know the worst employees one not bad enough very good enough to keep somebody will have a high integrity company everybody tells the truth that. and they'll hire some person a hire a woman or guy doesn't matter they hire somebody and this person let's say lies occasionally let's say doesn't mind stealing some paint because they got to paint their bathroom at home and let's say you know, will occasionally trash the company because 
They go, yeah, my boss is sort of an idiot. He doesn't really know what he's doing. So those three things, lying, stealing, and trashing the company, you aren't going to know those, right? And yet you're going to put this guy or woman out with your team. Now, we're messing with the whole value structure of the company here because that guy shows up 20 minutes late, nothing happens. They see him steal some paint to paint his house, nothing happens. They see him take a side job and not tell anybody, especially his boss, nothing happens. They see him trashing the company, nothing happens. So all of a sudden, your whole company value structure is at risk. Is yeah, bad apple, bad apple ruins a bunch, right? That's right. exactly so everybody sees that what that works. guy can do, and then he starts lowering your entire value structure of your company. Because then, okay, lying is okay, stealing is okay, trashing the company is okay. And what may have taken you years to build could be destroyed in six months. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So how would you what I mean, I guess it comes down to interviewing, but like what are some what are some red well, flags? One, one of the myths is you hire fast and fire slow. Like, oh my God, I need some painters for this job. I'll go down to Home Depot and Pickle goes off the corner. At least I'll get the job done, even no matter how they screwed up or whatever, right? So the problem is you hire fast because you're not recruiting all the time, right? So you, you've got you're desperate. You got her project manager. I just got this, you know, two million dollar house to paint and I got nobody to do it. So you hire fast. And then the worst thing is you fire slow. So what happens is you hire fast. And this guy, we talked to a lot, you know, may steal and whatever. And you keep him in the company because you can't replace him. And you don't have the more emotional guts to fire him. Right. And so he starts dragging your entire company down. So it's the world's worst employee. Not bad enough to fire, good enough to fatigue. That's because you hire fast and fire slow. The reality, in my opinion, as a recruiter, is you hire slow and fire fast, which means you take a long time to make sure he's the right guy for the job, including assessments, all that stuff we talked about. Make sure he's the right guy. And then if he screws up, he's gone. The thing that makes that hard, though, for most contractors is that um, usually people wait until they need somebody to start recruiting. Right. Okay, and then you hire out of uh, Desperation. You know, urgency. And it's not yeah. a good, it's not a good look. And what happens is, you know, how many painting companies do you work with, Mike, have an annual marketing and recruiting budget? A marketing for sure. Some of them would have a recruiting budget, but but they would all have marketing budgets, but they wouldn't all necessarily have recruiting budgets. Right. Because the most important thing is your team and your clients, right? If you've got a great team and you've got great clients, this is a, it's an easy, easy profession to be in. But if you have clients that are not fun and you have a team that's not dependable, it's a really tough business to be in. Very tough. So, you know, that's why you should be recruiting all the time to get you away from the, you should hire slow and fire fast. Because, if, you know, I, I have a, let me ask you this question, Mike. You, you have a painting company, I'm assuming? I don't anymore, no. But you I used did. to, okay, let's say you had one, it's just for fun, okay? You have a painting company. Now, if you start in this, go back in time when you actually had your own company, okay? If I ask, if I ask you, okay, you're going to start the company over, Mike, and everybody's laid off, but you get to hire them back. How many of your employees would you hire back? Um, thinking back to my, I, all of them. 
That's good. Because yeah. I believe anybody you shouldn't hire back, you would fire. You should fire. Yeah. And I would ask the listeners to take, you know, ask that question themselves. Look at your company. You're starting a new company. Everybody's gone, right? Now, of the people in your company, who would you hire back? No questions asked. All the people that you wouldn't hire back, you should fire. Yep. I mean, you I think about it the same way in like, in like a dating perspective. Like if you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't date someone, um, like find a date or find a spouse out of urgency, right? <laughs> well, some people do, but I know that works out, right? Yeah. That's not a good, it's not a good, uh, not a good basis. To not a good. And also people get married too fast. It's easy to get married really hard to get divorced. It's the same with the employee, right? Easy to bring people on, but hard to let them go because mm -hmm. most people, aren't willing to go through the emotional pain to let somebody go. We all have, you know, all of us pretty much were raised in dysfunctional families. I don't know if it wasn't actually, right? That's just, the, so in a dysfunctional family, we learn to, you know, avoid pain and seek pleasure and we don't have pain. So now we have an employee who's, yeah, they're not really cutting it, but you don't have the guts or whatever it takes to fire that person or let them go because it's too, it's too painful emotionally to do it. So they don't do it. I, also, like, yes, it's too painful emotionally, possibly. The alternative is that it's too it's too comfortable having that person at least produce a little bit, create right. a little bit of income, get a few of those jobs done, even if they're not the best, even if the quality isn't the best, even if they're not a very good culture fit, even if the customers don't really love that painter, he's still producing. Right. He still shows up. Would, Mike, I'm going to disagree with you because I'm going to tell you they've done a lot of statistics. We've studied these. The average bad employee costs you five to 10 times their wages of mistakes. Huge number. So, and it's hard to see what customers did you not get referred to because the guy swore on the job or had a beer? That, how do you know? Right. I mean, or they messed up, whatever. I mean, bad employees are really, really expensive. But the problem is a lot of that is lost opportunity costs that you can't figure out. And it's hard to see, but they've done a lot of you know statistics and it's at least 10 times their wages. It's huge. So bad employees are really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we opportunity, humans are just bad, inherently bad at estimating opportunity cost. Right. Right. It's just that that you see a little bit of revenue coming in. That's great. But you don't think about the the potential referrals or the upsells or the relational. I mean, that they make how he messed up your referrals, how he messed up our people in your company, how it lowers the whole standards of your company, how I mean, in painting, you got to do a good job. Right. I mean, I assume or mm -hmm. if, if people literally I mean, see what so. you do. Right. I mean, yeah. it's very it's very visible. And if they do a bad job, they paint over the hinges or whatever the heck they do. They don't get any referrals. What does that actually cost you? It's hard to estimate, but I'll tell you it's expensive. Absolutely. So obviously a good recruiting process can can mitigate bad employees. Um, how about best practices when it comes to the hiring and onboarding part of it? Okay, back to my new best friend, ChatGPT, right? Okay. Um, you can say, I'm a painting contractor. I just hired a project manager. Please give me a 10-week onboarding process. It will tell you what to do every week. You can say, please give me the key performance indicators. It will align the key performance indicators. I mean, it can be your new best friend. Um, now I have a question, Mike, how do you feel about AI in the workplace? Where, where, where do you think it's going? 
I think it's going the same place that uh, the internet was going when the internet came around. Everyone was thinking the internet was going to take our jobs. Computers are going to take our jobs. Um, and now AI is coming. People think AI is going to take our jobs. But in reality, it's going to take the jobs of the people who don't embrace AI. Right. I agree. For example, I had I had a, a good a good AI experience and a bad AI experience. I can share them with you. Um, my good AI experience was I called to renew my boat insurance, right? Normally, he goes to 10 rings. You get some person in India. Their English isn't that great. You're on hold for three hours. I mean, it's a horrible experience, right? Because there's way more calls and they're willing to fund to get the right people to answer the questions. So the customer service sucks. I just call my insurance company, this pleasant person, because how can I help you? One ring, they answer the phone. I, they say, oh, we have all your information here. We have your card. We have this. Would you like to renew your boat? I said, I'd like to renew my boat insurance. I said, great. Your number is blah, blah, blah. So, and it took me like three minutes. I had a very pleasant experience. And I only talked to AI. It was great. And that's what's going to happen, I think. Now, I had a not so good experience, but I think it's going to change. I asked somebody if AI could call people for us and say, hey, could you fill out the assessment and discuss the job? Because we know we have like 3,000 people apply a week, right? So it'd be really good if we can use AI to get back to some of these people. Um, and I had it call me. I tried somebody that has a software that does that. And fortunately, the, the conversation, the answers were great. I could understand them really well, but there was this hesitation. I said, well, can you tell me more about the job? And to go, the job is about, right? And there was like two seconds in there where the answer was perfect, but you could tell it was AI because they had to figure it out. Now, I think by my guess is in the next three months, I'll have that solved. But right now there's a slight hesitation. <clears throat> but I do believe when it comes to marketing, having people call customers, taking customer calls, you know, if you put a marketing campaign and somebody needs to respond and schedule an appointment, AI is going to do all that for you. And it's going to be way better than a person. I mean, the crazy thing about AI is, is right now and today, as good as AI is, it is as it is as bad as it will ever be in our the rest of our lives. Right. It's only getting better. And I think it's also, it's an exponential leap. And I don't, I don't think we're used to those, right? Mm -hmm. So as you think about it, Chat GPT was introduced in January of this year. It's not even a year old. And we've totally changed the way we do things because it writes job descriptions, it writes KPIs. We have AI do the first scan of all the resumes. And that's in less than a year. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to change everything. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've, you know, I use it every single day. Um, many people I know use it every single day. There's so much, so much opportunity with it. So that go, that's the, the onboarding. I want to just finish up the whole, just get full circle, the entire recruiting process. So we, we talked about onboarding, uh, documents and, and training. How about, um, I mean, the, the final step is really just like integrating them with the uh, with your team and making sure they're fully trained up. Um, do you touch anything on that or are you just pretty much about more focused on? No, we, like we do the whole thing. We do integration. We have a way of assessing all the employees with a disk profile and find out who fits and where they right, fit. So use disk profiles. We can use key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. We will. Our goal is to build a winning team. Right. So when you hire somebody, that's just the beginning. Yeah. You've got most contractors really sort of suck at HR. I mean, they don't. They don't really pay as much attention to their team as they do their customers, which they should. 
And so they don't have key performance indicators. They don't have regular, you know, job descriptions. They don't have all the things because they don't have a chair department that you should have to build a great team. So whether you use us or somebody else, I suggest you do reviews <clears throat> minimum of once a year, preferably every six months to explain what they need to do, what they're doing right, what they do wrong, how they could do it better. Again, because you're building a team and they need to have feedback. Um, one example was, if you take a Rubik's cube and you don't have any feedback, you just try to get it magically without seeing what's going on, it will take you like a thousand years or some stupid number to get it right, right? Forever. If you can actually look at the cube and see what's happened, you can do it in three minutes. What's the difference? Feedback, right? So when you think about it, employees need that feedback to get better. Now, some people I use, I wrote a book called Contractor Success Tips. And one of my illustrations is some people, you know, think the good management style is beating will continue until morale improves, right? That doesn't work very well. And so they don't really work on building the team and they have a hard time converting from, I'm going to call a craftsman to a leader because it's a different set of skills. Mm -hmm. And what makes you a good craftsman generally makes you a bad leader. I know I was talking to an HVAC company he says, I really hate great craftsmen. I go, why? He goes, well, we have a really good craftsman. We send him out to an HVAC unit. He takes pride in fixing this unit that's 20 years old and making it work when it should be trashed. Because <laughs> his ego is all about making crap work, right? And I'm so smart. I can take this horrible unit and put Band-Aids on it and make it work when the reality is they need a new unit, right? Which is the difference between a craftsperson and an entrepreneur. So, you know... If you're having a salesperson who's a painter, he shouldn't go out and go, well, you can get by here. You're only in one coat here. You get, you know, I mean, he's trying to figure out how we can do it really cheap and save the person money, which isn't really the best thing for the company or the client. Yeah. So making that conversion from craftsperson to entrepreneur, a leader should always work harder on themselves than they do on their job. And a lot of people have, I mean, they should go into webinars. They should study. I mean, the good news now, it's all free. You can get all the education you want for free. And there's a hundred podcasts like this one on how to do stuff better. It's all out there. But you got to spend the time working on yourself, not working on the job. The first thing is work on yourself. Then you work on your company. The last thing you want to do is actually paint. 100%. So recruiting can be a lot, right? There's a lot of tools you can use with AI to make, make right. it definitely easier. Um, where, do, where do you and um, your company kind of come into this? Like what, what do you guys do and how do you, how can you guys help simplify well, this process? What we do is we use offshore labor. We got amazing people that cost us less than most people. We use AI a lot. So we can literally, if people commit, we can redo, hire all their employees that they need for 1200 bucks a month. If compare that to a headhunter that normally charges 15 to 20% of the first year's salary, it is an amazing deal. But we do that because they use technology, offshore labor, and a lot of things. So we can do it way better and cheaper than they can do it on their own. And that's my suggestion. But if you want to do it on your own, use AI, use applicant tracking systems, use, use all the stuff we use because it's sort of like, I mean, you, you can you cannot use a spray gun if you're painting, but it pro, I mean, a brush, is, a brush is appropriate sometimes, but it's sort of like digging a shovel with a, digging a ditch with a shovel versus a backhoe, right? It just makes yeah. no sense. But unfortunately, a lot of people construction are late adapter adopters of technology because you got no problem. They'll go out and buy a new truck 
but you get them to spend money on recruiting and marketing, not so much, right? So what do you, so you do, how does someone work with you? Like they, they like, okay, I need some painters. I need a production manager. What do you basically, do? Basically, we, we try to work with people, you know, an annual contract it goes 200 bucks a month and we'll find all the people they need and there'll be quality people in the workout. Um, probably a good, if you're one guy, probably not a good client for us, but if you have two or three guys or more, we're a great deal because we'll find all the people you need from laborers, production managers, everybody in the company. We got a 95% chance of them working out because we do all the stuff you need to do. And it's way cheaper to have us do it than try to do it your own. If you do it on your own, you need at least one person who spends 50% of his or her job doing recruiting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, recruiting is a huge, huge uh, uh, pain in a lot of people's sides. So how do they get a hold of you, Paul? Well, they can contact. I'll give you my own, my cell phone, my personal cell phone. I'm in Hawaii, so keep in time the time difference. It's 415-599-9006. My personal email is paul at paulsaneman.com or they can go to our website, which is contractorstaffingsource.com and they can just, you know, book an appointment there. And I would say if your clients, I'll just help them do it themselves. If they want to do it themselves, I'll spend an hour with them, show them what they need to do. Because I find out if I show five people to do it themselves, Two people are going to go, hey, you guys can do it. It's just way too much work. A couple of people, they do it themselves. That's fine. But they at least need to know what they need to do. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I, that was a that was a great talk. Um, I, I learned a lot. Got some some tips around using AI. Absolutely. Um, I'll put your contact information in the description below. Um, yeah. Any final words for the people? Um, I would say in painting, you have two missions great clients and a great team. Don't be chintzy, chintzy on using the resources, which is time and money to develop both. Absolutely. Said very well. Right on, Paul. Well, thanks for coming on today. And uh, yeah, I, I urge anyone who has, you know, recruiting needs, um, reach out, have a free call with Paul. He'll show you how to do it or he can show you how he can does it. How he can does it. <laughs> we'll leave it at <laughs> that. Not even for sure. Cool. And we'll help give you the tools to do it with. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. Talk soon, I appreciate man. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate being on the show. Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.